Hallelujah. All right. Welcome back to Clean Thought. We hope all of you are having a great day. Hope you enjoy our podcast. And today we're talking about baptism. We'll probably answer a few questions that most people have about baptism today because there are so many different opinions out there about baptism, about how you should do it, what name should you do it in, if it's required or not by God and His plan of salvation. And so hopefully we'll answer all these questions and maybe even share a little bit of our own personal testimonies about baptism. First of all, when you talk about baptism, I'm really interested to know the meaning of the word. What does it mean? What is it that we, what is the act that right. we call baptism? Where does the word come from? I'm really kind of preface this answer because we originally received the Bible or the Word of God in the Greek. Um, originally, it may have been spoken in Aramaic, Hebrew, uh, and then I guess Greek was spoken later um, by those who translated this the Word of God or the all of the letters that were received. But when you talk about the word baptism, in the Greek it means the word is baptizo, which is to be buried, uh, to be fully buried or submerged. And, and since we're talking about being baptized with water and not with dirt, uh, <laughs> we're talking about Makes sense. Com- being completely submerged under the water. Uh, a scripture I'm thinking of in the book of Romans, Paul says that we are buried with Christ in baptism. There's no contradictions at all here that you can sprinkle or that you can just get partially wet. It just means to be buried, completely submerged under the water. So in many languages, when you talk about baptism, word that they use is a translated word like for example in arabic in persian that the word that is translated means uh, like the exact translation means intentional so i wanted to know like i know this is something that happened back in early 90s so i wanted to make sure about the meaning the root word is to be emerged in the water, as you said. So they translated it to mean something else, intentional? Yeah, the, the root of the word in so many languages means it is not one word. The act of being emerged in the water has another word for it. Like you can say dived in the water. <laughs> Yeah, something dunk, like that dunked, dunked in yeah. the water yeah but this is not something like in the in most of the cultures here being dunked under the water is not something that is a one-time event it's a part of the life like i th- i think you have seen turkish hammams right they had like being dunked in the water happens in their every day so that's why they added something to the word, like being intentionally 
dunked under the water. I want. I think the ah. translators wanted to make a separation. I from see what the, you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good because it's like you're not just going for a swim. This this actually has a purpose. Yes. This this, this is yeah. something with an with an intent behind right. it. Because well, I was raised in this in Pentecost, so. We would always like pretend baptize each other if we went swimming. It was just part of the game, you know. We were kids, and we were like, "Hey, let's. Hey, who wants to get baptized?" And so, but there was no like, I mean, there was no spirit. There was nothing. It was just fun, and we were children, so our, you know, we were innocent in what we were doing. <laughs> but yeah, and then. Well, like some religions, like Catholic religions especially, will uh, sprinkle, will like do some sort of sprinkling, and they will baptize you when you're a baby. So like when you're a brand new baby, maybe a few months old, and you bring them to the priest and they baptize them in a bowl, basically, or dunk, put their head in water. I don't think they actually submerge the child. They just get them wet a little bit but it's all a ritual it's a tradition the child has no understanding of what is happening to them but yeah that is a powerful it's a very powerful that it's intentional hey this is separate from just taking a swim exactly this is separate from uh getting rained on you know, oh, I got baptized today. I got soaking wet when it <laughs> rained. <laughs> and uh, another question that I had before, is there any clues about baptism in the Old Testament? Any mentions of it? Well, you know, in the tabernacle, before they could enter into the Holy of Holies, and all that they went by the brazen laver and they washed yeah. their hands so it was a you could see the typology or the sign of it but the pro the problem with that is i don't like to do this when i teach but the old testament uh there's a lot of typology if you want there to be if that makes sense hmm. yeah so yeah. i don't really like to do this but let me, i'll say i don't this is not my opinion but some people preach and teach um, that there's similarities in what the Israelites did when they left Egypt. Leaving Egypt, in a way, is kind of like turning away from your old lifestyle. You're, you're repenting, and you're beginning a new life. Well, in a way, that is true. They started a brand new journey, and they had no idea where they were going, and they really all questioned and murmured. Uh, they doubted if God was really going to do all this. After all those plagues and all those miracles that he did, ten plagues, and then they get to the Red Sea. And when they get to the Red Sea, they're all complaining against Moses and against God and saying, he just brought us out here to die. The army is at our back, and they're about to kill us all. And then Moses hears the voice of God say, put your staff in the water, and then the waters part. So then they cross the Red Sea, and then... They make it across, and then the army comes in the middle. And by the time the Israelites are all safe, the army is in the middle of this area of the Red Sea. Yeah. And then it closes in on them, and they, the whole army is destroyed. 
So some people teach typology that they were also baptized or they were cleansed from their past because hmm. now they have no longer do they have Egypt threatening them. No longer does their past threaten them. It is completely washed away, right? So there's some people teach this, and but it is typology. So I really try <laughs> to stay away from that thing. I can see how that is. Um I could see it. I can. I'm not saying I deny it completely. I'm just saying that the New Testament is a whole new way. Jesus Mm. came to do a new thing. This was prophesied in the Old Testament that, you know, in the book of Ezekiel, he said, I'm going to take out the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Behold, I will do a new thing, saith the Lord. He says, my law will be in you. It will not just be something you do. It will be in you. I will give you a new heart. So I'm saying that to say that the Old Testament supports the plan of salvation. The Old Testament does support what God was doing and what he was about to do, uh, that he was going to call a new people and that he was going to call every nation unto himself. It wasn't just going to be the Israelites anymore. So, but... Back to your question, there is some typology or some similar things to baptism. Uh, Is there something I missed, though? Is there something that... Uh, The the reason I'm asking this question is because, like, when I was reading the Bible first, something that, uh, like, caught my eye, per se, was John the Baptist. Mm Mm-hmm. Which was technically in the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. He started baptizing people, but everyone kind of knew what he was doing, and everyone accepted baptism as a, not as a new act, but as something that needs to be done. So everyone was coming to him to get baptized. You know what I mean? Like everyone was coming, Pharisees. and So what was interesting for me was like, how how did they get to this understanding? How, how did John the Baptist suddenly introduce something? I wanted to know if we, ha- we know anything on it based on Bible. Yeah, I, you know, I don't... It is a hard question. It really it? is, but... So let me add a little bit because as i said in the cultures here the act of being dunked in the water is very common yeah and so in the middle east and all the way to far east to china and japan we have this behavior very common i know in the scandinavia in nordic regions and those cultures they also had this behavior they did it after the fight and on weekly basis and when i read the stories like the i love epic genre i love uh, mythology of cultures when i study those stories i see that the act of making someone's mind and making a decision or getting rid of the burdens, like the mental burdens, and getting into the moment, getting ready to start something, is often accompanied by passing water. 
So either passing a river or passing from a sea. So I wanted to see if if we can talk about something like this in the Bible too. But as you said, topo- uh, like the types do exist in the right. Israelites. The, the also, you know, Noah's Ark is another one. The whole yeah. world was cleansed by a flood. The, the Bible says that every thought of a man was continually evil. God looked down and repented that he made man. And so then he baptized the world, basically. Yeah. But for 120 years, he showed mercy and let Noah preach, you, would, you could argue, to, to everybody until the message was clear. There's a flood coming. The world is going to be basically restarted. And if you want to be saved, get on this boat. <laughs> You know, but it's another typology. But you can see how they correlate and how they go together. Um, And another example of it is when the Israel himself got his name. He let everyone pass the river, but he stayed on the other side and wrestled with God. Then in the morning, he passed the river. In our faith, this is what is beginning. When we are baptized, we're starting a new journey in God. This is uh, the beginning of, like Jesus said, you must be born again of the water and the Spirit. So this is how we enter into the kingdom of God. And we are literally brand new, born again. Uh, Old things are passed away. All things become new. We are a new creature. But the the actual baptism that we do is not something that is just a sign of faith. Now, maybe I can ask you this, but you already know the answer. But uh, so, in I don't know if this is true here, but in America, Trinitarian churches teach that baptism is not necessary. I don't know about here. Do you know what other Trinitarian churches preach in other cultures? Yes. So, to be exact, the separation is just not oneness and Trinitarian in here. No, yeah, it's not just Trinitarian. We have lots of branches. And some, the question is some focus on baptism and some don't. Like, I know churches that they almost never talk about baptism. Yeah. They never mention it just to confess your faith in the name of Jesus is enough, and they just get along with it. Right. And that's it. Like that. That's the whole doctrine of faith. And that, like, confess, and that's it. Yeah. Finished. That's it. You're done. We see people going to the hospitals on the people on the deathbed, like even when the person is nauseated, like or so delusional that doesn't understand the reality from illusions so they go to deathbeds and they start but like they the whole thing is like oh my friend like my uncle my father whatever please repeat after me i believe <laughs> the faith i confess my faith in the name of the god father son holy ghost and right before his death that guy became christian they celebrated and this Mm -hmm. is a very common activity here actually wow 
So, yeah, and then with, with that, well, you just have to, you hope that they heard the gospel, that they heard the truth, and in, I believe they did. Every person, I believe God gives chance. God gives mercy to every person that they actually hear the whole gospel. But this, I don't want to say it's so easy, but in a way, it it is easy. Like, just to confess a certain thing, and then you're you're good, you're okay, right? I mean... I'm not saying God made it hard on purpose because he didn't make it hard, but (laughs) he did put a plan together. It's kind of like Noah. He told Noah, hey, build it with gopher wood and put pitch on the inside, and I want one window and one door. That's it. And I want it to be this long, this tall, this wide. Well, Noah could say, well, I'm going to use cedar instead and i'm not i'm gonna do some i want two windows well that boat would have sank because god told him (laughs) specifically what to do and noah did it in the same way how can we change what god has already set up someone someone changed it Um, obviously after the council of nicaea a lot of things changed um but whenever someone says all you have to do is confess well where is that where is that in the Bible? And I know Romans chapter 10. I know what that says. That whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's all they read. They don't read the rest of it. They don't read before that. And they don't understand the context. He's talking to the Roman church that's already established in the faith, that has already received salvation. But whenever Paul or Peter or John or Silas or anybody else talk, or Philip talked to a new person, a brand new convert, someone that had no idea or teaching or learning about Jesus. They taught them Jesus and told them they needed to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And then they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost or some received the Holy Ghost when they were baptized. Some received the Holy Ghost before they were baptized. <laughs> but why Why are we? Why did it be changed? Why did so many people uh, come up with this new faith. I do believe that you need to believe, and definitely you need to believe in Jesus. Um, That's the whole reason why we're here. If we did not believe, we wouldn't even care what the Bible says. But Acts chapter 19, uh, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Then he says, and who baptized you or what baptism do you have you received? And they said, well, we've been baptized under John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with repentance, but you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. So I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but but that's basically what happened. The other, I have uh, this other point I want to make. They say, well, just believe on the Lord and you shall be saved. And uh, well, if it was that simple, then... And simple is not the best word. If if that was true, okay, if that was true, that God changed his mind and the disciples and the apostles, all that they received and all that they taught was pointless and that they really just came down to this part of the truth that you just need to believe and confess that you believe. If that was true, then what about the disciples themselves? Why did they have to tarry until Pentecost? Why did they have to wait after Jesus ascended? They saw him go to heaven. They saw him ascend. They lived with Jesus for three and a half years, approximately three and a half years. They lived with Jesus, walked with him, saw him do miracles. 
They heard his own teachings from his own mouth, and that's all they needed was to believe. Why did they have to receive the Holy Ghost? They actually, the Bible says they came back rejoicing that the that they were able to cast out devils. They said, look, we casted out devils in his name, in your name. And they rejoiced, and Jesus said, Well, that's great, but it's better if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So that even that small portion of Scripture points to, Wait, Jesus, there's, this is not it? This is not all there is? Believing on you and having the power to cast out demons? You're telling me there's more? My name needs to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Well, what, how do I do that? Why, you know, I'm saying... I'm, these disciples needed something more. Why did they need something more? They lived with Jesus for three and a half years. How much more belief can you have? <laughs> you see where I'm going? <laughs> Certain point that kind of... I believe in everything you said personally in the Pentecostal, of course I do, as a doctrine. There, I want to add one more thing to it. Like if it wasn't something completely unnecessary... The, the baptism, right. then we wouldn't have had the baptism of Jesus in all the Gospels. That's true. Like, and then we talk about like being a Christian, being Christ-like. And in so many aspects, we see the beginning of the journey of Jesus being Christ, like as he started his ministry in every single Gospel, Starts with him being baptized. Yeah, why was the Savior of the world baptized? I mean, so, well, yeah, was it just for a sign of his faith? <laughs> <laughs> and another thing, that point that I want to make about those that say confess, actually, of course, the point of view, the perspective in each book matters. Like the book of Romans does matter, like to confess. Yes. And of course, to to get baptized, like the whole act of getting baptized means means to repent and to get baptized in his name. The, the whole thing is a confession to the authority of the name of Jesus over us and authority of his kingdom over us. Like the whole thing, I change my, the path of my life and I get baptized. This is all the declaration of his authority. Like it is not something that is completely outside of it. There are not two separate acts, I mean. Right, right. Yeah, but, and uh, it is, like you said, it is a confession. It is part of a confession right exactly but one point one small point that i want to make is so in the beginning it was a word the beginning it was verbum is one of the very interesting verses for me because when we study it the word god being presented as a word not the light although he a lot of the times it says that god is light but the God is presented as a word in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. It goes to understanding, goes to consciousness. Mm -hmm. We can study that word like we can have an episode on this one verse alone. Yes. But so this is a this is the an objection I had far before I became a Christian. It's one of my it was one of my criticism when I was an atheist toward Christianity that <laughs> This kind of confession has no meaning and has no understanding behind it. I saw a person who was a farmer in a village. He lived 92 years. And in his 92 years of his life, he didn't accept anything. He had a stroke. And like that's how I 
get to know him because when he had a stroke he like he lost most of the tissue of his prefrontal lobe in the brain most of most of his brain was dead we knew he will not make it he would still speak but he was speaking with like he would most of the time when he was in the hospital he was speaking with his father who died 40 years ago with his childhood friends and he always saw me as his brother never all all the time called me as his dead brother so in that situation they a priest came in he asked him to repeat the words after him took the confession the guy like passed away two days later which kind of was this that he stayed alive in that circumstances for seven days and that was a bigger surprise for me like it was a miracle act of miracle on its own because it usually doesn't happen but he came in and he made took his confession and then we spoke for a couple of hours and i was like debating with him like what is the meaning of this <laughs> is this a, some like of a magic word a, like incitation you just said and now he is free of everything back then i was a harsh person honestly <laughs> didn't go well <laughs> i didn't know i would end up being here that i am now but when i read the bible myself i see the whole under the whole path of salvation way before the act of salvation and cross happens path of creation comes with understanding always is with a deep understanding of that comes from god and deep understanding that is from a human toward god even those that denied God have an understanding on what's going on. Right. I'm giving example of Cain on this matter. He spoke to God, although he was a sinner. <laughs> so that kind of confession, I don't personally feel good about it. Although I'm not, ta I'm saying my Christian beliefs aside, personally, I cannot accept it. The confession alone? Yes. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. I talked about this last night about man's work versus God's work. And yeah. Like baptism is said to be man's work. Like, oh, this is this is you doing the work. You're submerging them. You're putting them under. You're declaring the name of Jesus. Or if you happen to be Trinitarian, the titles uh, yeah. of whatever titles those were. You know, as I've always said this. I don't know if I said this on a previous episode, but if you were to baptize someone in the titles of God, you would have them under the water for a long time <laughs> in all the different ways that God revealed himself. And the Israelites gave him these titles. And, of course, the most common is Jehovah or Yahweh. But the I am and all that... Uh, but we should talk about that, the I am. But they teach that, well, baptism is man's work. Repenting of your sins is man's work. And where is faith at? Because you're doing all the work. You're doing all the work yourself. You're putting them under the water. So this is not necessary for you. This is only a confession of faith. It's not. It's just to show the church or show the people, hey, I'm a believer now. And that's all that they teach to these people is that baptism is just to show the people that, hey, I'm a believer now. I'm crossing over. I'm crossing the Red Sea. 
you know, I'm crossing Jordan. Mm. That's a confession. I believe it is part of that, a confession of faith, but the Bible teaches that baptism is removing sins. It remits sins, washes them away which is what the flood did. The flood cleansed the earth. The same is with baptism. The part that is man's work is that we dunk him underwater or her underwater and declare the name of Jesus, which is the only saving name. This is what the Bible teaches. I don't have to go into detail. Uh, go listen to the name crisis. But anyway, <laughs> but this is not man's work. It's God's work because we do not remove the sins. In fact, the water, whether it's hot or cold, does not remove the sins. We are simply obeying the Word of God. And by obedience, God blesses the obedience and grants forgiveness, washes us clean from our sins. I, I have always thought about being rebaptized because I was seven years old. But I remember what it felt like. I remember getting out of the water, feeling free feeling like I could fly. So I've never been rebaptized because of this. I just have a sure knowing that God was there. The presence of God was there. I could feel it. I felt different. It wasn't just because the water was nice and warm. <laughs> it wasn't. It was something I really felt. But at seven years old, I understood. I knew what was happening. My son was baptized when he was six years old. He's now eight. But when he told me that he wanted to be baptized and he wanted to make sure that I that I knew he understood because he, he told me, I want to get baptized. I said, why do you want to get baptized? He said, because I want God to remove my sins. This is what baptism is for. I have the video on my phone. He come He came out of the water and he just started sobbing. He started crying and praying. Because he could feel the presence of God. And uh, this is a powerful thing. This is a six-year-old. You would look at this and say, he has no understanding. Like, he doesn't, he's very innocent. He doesn't even, like, what sins? You know, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. What sins do you need God to remit? But this is a, it's a, it's a sign of faith, yes. But it is for removing sins. Well, you, like I said, you would say, well, why would I not get rebaptized because now I'm 33 and I've made some mistakes. I've messed up. I've sinned against God since seven years old. Why shouldn't I get rebaptized? Well, the Bible doesn't say we sh can't get rebaptized, but Peter does talk, does write a letter to the church and he says that we are baptized unto a good conscience. So if you, if your conscience is clear and you can remember that baptism, that it worked, then that it did what it was supposed to, that you've done enough, that like you've obeyed the word of God. You, you've, those sins are remitted. At the same time, uh, the, the concept of confessing that you are, that Jesus is Lord, confessing that Jesus is Lord of your life and your Savior is a one time, or what do they call it? Once saved, always saved concept. And this is not, this is not biblical because yeah, I have sinned since baptism, but my spirit has been cleansed because I came back and repented of those sins. I I was baptized again, but not literally, if that makes sense. I was rebaptized by the Spirit. But that one time of baptism, you know, I guess you could argue and say maybe you need to be rebaptized, but I have a clear conscience. I I 
I was I obeyed the word of God. <laughs> Nowhere does it say if you fall and come back, you need to be rebaptized. But anyway. I wouldn't argue. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. But what I was, uh, I guess, what I was saying is that baptism is more than just a ritual. There's something powerful that takes place. God is actually washing us clean. And if you do it the correct way that the Bible teaches us, you can see that. You see the evidence of it when someone comes out of the water. I've seen too many. I've seen countless baptisms when someone came out of the water. They were. It's a very emotional moment. It you you begin to some people begin to cry some pe- people begin to laugh with joy some people speak in tongues when they come out of the water it's a very powerful event and god it's part of his plan it's part Amen. of what he wanted this is not something that we came up with this is not that's the problem though isn't it that is the main problem is that so many people have their opinion and they insert their opinion over the word of God. Like, uh, they start teaching. Baptism is not necessary. Where does it say that? Where does it say that <laughs> baptism is just for a sign of faith? Where does it say? Because nowhere, Paul, in all of the epistles, he says, I received the same gospel that, that you received. And he goes down the list. This is 1 Corinthians 15. I love this chapter. He says, I received the same gospel you received. How that Jesus died. And then... He was buried, and then he rose again on the third day. And then he's breaking down this gospel that we teach, that death is repentance. Baptism is being buried, and the Holy Ghost is being resurrected. This is the gospel that Paul said, (laughs) I received this just like you did. And once again, in context, he's talking to the church. People, please read your Bible. Don't listen to someone telling you what they think. Please read your Bible. Please, if you're if you're calling yourself a Christian and you're saying that you're a follower of Christ, please read all of it. Please read the whole book of Acts. Please read all of the Gospels. Read all the Bible, but please try to find understanding. Look for understanding, and don't interpret. Do not interpret. I think the there's a scripture Paul said, there is no secret interpretation. I think it's Paul. But there's no secret interpretation. You're trying to find meaning and stuff when it just says what it is. It just says to do this. <laughs> there is no meaning. Some people try to explain away things, or they'll tell you, uh, don't read that, don't read that. You don't need to read the book of Acts. Stay away from that. Preachers say this, believe it or not. Oh, God. They, they say this in America and probably other places. Oh, don't worry about those books. Let's just focus on this right here. No. <laughs> now, if you want to say that about the Dead Sea Scrolls, go right ahead. If you want to say that about the lost books of the Bible, go right ahead. But what we have in our hand... God has given us a plan, and it the plan is plain and simple. It's right there for you to see it if you will, if you want to see it. He, my point is, He has made a plan for us to make it to heaven. He doesn't want you to perish. He's given you the plan. 
So okay. follow it, read it, figure out what it is. And you can trust that whatever we teach is going to be biblical. And if it's not, <laughs> you will hear me say things like, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. If if anything it's not in the Bible, that sentence comes first. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs>